This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So everybody knows it was Rosh Chodesh, right? It was Rosh Chodesh on Shabbos and Sunday. So we're just starting Elul. May Rosh Chodesh Elul ad Yom Kippurim. From Rosh Chodesh Elul until after Yom Kippur, 40 days. Hema Yemei Ratzayim. They're very special days to do tshuva. What do you mean special days? You can do tshuva every day. Every day in Shemun Esra, you say, right? So what does that mean? He says, no. These days, these 40 days, they're more chosen with tshuva. And they're, they're set aside to do tshuva. Why? Why these 40 days? Anyone know why these 40 days? Why these days, 40 days special for tshuva? Oh, Moshe went up to get the second set of luchos. The first set of luchos were broken. And he went up, Rosh Chodesh Elul. And he came down on Yom Kippur. Nishtash, Yom Yom, was there for 40 days. So, what really happened? We got a second chance. So, this is the 40 days of second chance. You messed up, didn't have era, messed up, or didn't do a mitzvah. Shem says you got another chance. Why? Because in those days, God gave us a second chance after we made the ego. So that's the Gemara Kapara. Okay, now. And from then, Hashem made these special days. Okay. Now, what does L-O stand for? Many things. So, what letters start with an S, an Aleph, and then a Lamed, and then a Vav, and then a Lamed? That's the one everyone knows. The other ones are hard to remember. Okay? Zarecha. Your hearts and the hearts of your... Children, so S is Aleph, Lubav is Lamed, V S is Vav, Levav is Lamed. I need Ledaidi, Vidaidi Li, and Ishlereihu Umatanas Levyainim. Now, I understand S Levavchav is S Levav Zarecha. Umal Hashem Alekecha, and God circumcised S Levavcha, your heart. That's where the Yitzhahara lives. S Levav Zarecha, so that's Tshuva. I understand, I need a daidi with daidi li, it's a relationship. When you come to court, who do you want sitting there as a judge? Father. Right? Because he loves you. We're talking about a father that loves you. So uh, if you walk in and you're all nervous, oh my gosh, the judge is going to throw the book at me. And then it's your father and you're like winking at him, like, hey, dad, what's going on? How are you? You know your father's going to find a way to get you out. So Kosh Baruch Hu is going to find Rachamim, he's going to find a way to get you out. So, so the Chachamim said, listen, you got to develop a relationship. Because on Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, you're going to be in front of the judge. Hey, make friends. Develop a relationship. So I'm to my loved one, my loved one with me. But don't wait for Hashem to develop that relationship. You have to. It's the, in this month, you have to take the first step. In a relationship, so always there's someone that takes the first step. So a whole year Hashem takes the first step. I chose you with love. Now I can ask you to love me. I love you. So now I can ask you to love me. Not in Elo. In Elo, we got to say, I love you. And then Hashem says, oh, you love me, then I love you. I need Lidaidi. I got to make the first move. Then Hashem says, then I'll love you. Very different than the whole year. But I don't chop. I don't understand. That's Purim. So just because it starts with an Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with Elul and Tishrei and Judgment Day? And I have a crazy story that I haven't said here in probably 10 years. Um, probably the first of Edom Alcano I said this story. It was 14 years ago about Judgment Day. But... What is, you just found an Aleph Lamed Vav Lamed and you stuck it in? What does, what does Purim have to do with, what does Purim have to do with Rosh Hashanah and Elul? Oh, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that because 
and I spoke about it in seminary. Today we opened up our seminary, Baruch Hashem. As you can see, the desk, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, Benos Bina, tomorrow we're opening at Teres Nava, Hashem. So I spoke in seminary today in Benos Bina, I said that, that the objective is to get Hashem from his chair of Din to his chair of Rachamim. Because on his Kisei Din, you're not going to come out innocent. On his Kisei Rachamim, Lahavdil, 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 a million times, President Trump. He's the President of the United States. Right. He, he could take someone sitting in jail and say, I'm the President, he's out. Pardon. Presidential pardon. Rabashkin. Bashkin, they found guilty. They put him in jail, right? And they went to the courts, and they went to the senators, and they went to the congressmen, and they tried to overturn the situation, and nobody could do it. Along comes President Trump, Shalom Aleichem, presidential pardon. Within an hour, he's out. Hashem has the power of presidential pardon. He's the king of the world. You can be so guilty and the malachim are screaming and yelling and the bad prosecuting angels are screaming and yelling and Hashem says, presidential pardon. Goodbye. He's out. Judgment, l'chaim, to life. You got to work on that. This is our month to work on it to develop a relationship to get that, to get that pardon. But, and it was a little bit of a scary shit today, but, no matter how much tshuva you do, and no matter how much you cry, and no matter how much you take on to do crazy mitzvahs, unbelievable mitzvahs, God cannot forgive you for something you hurt someone else. So, when it comes to Ben Alma Chavero, God can't give you a pardon. Because, if I hurt someone here, someone else can't. You heard her. You have to ask her forgiveness. You you insulted her in public. You got to ask her forgiveness. You saying you forgive me for insulting her is ridiculous. Can you forgive me for insulting her? So when you hurt another person, Hashem has to sit there. His hands are tied. He can't pardon you. He can pardon you. In fact, you have a little bit more of an excuse. Not that we have any excuses, but you have a little bit more of an excuse. Hashem, I don't see you. I don't hear you. I don't know you. You're this God, you're, you're spiritual, I'm physical, I'm a worm. It's one of the excuses we use in Yom Kippur. We say we're off of, we're, we're dirt, we're nothing. So what do you want from us? Like, we're nobody. So you have a little bit of an excuse. Like, Hashem, I don't understand the whole thing of sneers. I don't understand this, I don't understand that. I don't understand Shabbos, why I can't take a bone out of fish? Who doesn't bother? I don't chop, I don't understand. But you can't tell Hashem, I don't understand. Why can't I hurt someone's feelings? Because you're human and you know what it feels like. So you have nothing to answer. So the only way to get forgiven is not from Hashem. You can't get forgiven from Hashem. You have to get forgiven from that person. So I told the girls today, and I'm not saying anyone needs this, I'm just throwing it out. Where does that start? Where does forgiveness start? Your parents. Ow. Your parents, the first the first relationship in a human being's life, the first relationship a child has, a person has in their life, is their parents. Rabbi Wallerstein, my parents are dysfunctional, my parents are abusive, and, and you know, the, the whole thing of Kibbutz Aim, we're trying to get this book out, but I, I still have a hundred pages to get dedicated, and they haven't been dedicated, so we're just sitting with the book right now, we'd just like to get it finished, but Kibbutz of Aim is, is, is based on gratitude. It's based on the basis of a Jew, the basis of a human being, and that has to have appreciation for those who do for you. So a girl said to me, I don't have to have gratitude for my father and mother. They are so dysfunctional. I, I, if, they, if I talk to them, it takes me five months to detox. I got to go to my therapist after that. I got to take medicine after that. I'm shaking every time she calls me, every time I meet her. At Wallstein, I have no Akrosatov to them. Why do I have Akrosatov to my parents? They're not nice to me. They're not treating me right. They're abusive. 
I said, because they brought you into the world. And they're like, the girl said, so who asked them to do that? I have a miserable life. I don't want to be here. So I should thank my parents that I'm having a miserable life? Just the opposite. I have no reason to thank them. Why should I thank them? I don't want to be here. I want to be there. I don't want to be in this world. I'm suffering. I'm going through a lot of pain. I went through a lot of trauma. They're not nice people. They're nasty. They make me crazy. What, what's that curse of Tov? Rabbi Wallstein, tell me what that curse of Tov. That curse of Tov is thanking you, thanking someone for being there for them. Oh, they burped you. They diapered you. They took you to the doctor. They stayed up all night. That's because my mother wanted to have me. She wanted to have someone to beat up on. So what do you answer such a person? What do you answer such a person? So I'll tell you the answer. A mission of The mission of Pirkei says the following. That one moment, I think it's in the second or third parish, 25th Mishnah, 22nd Mishnah. One moment in this world, girls, is great of doing good deeds and, and doing good deeds and doing tshuva is greater, the Mishnah says, than an infinite amount of years, ever, forever, being in the next world. So what are you telling me? I don't want to be here. I'm in so much pain. I want to be there. The Mishnah is saying, no, you don't want to be there because one moment in this world of a smile, of a good deed, of a thank you, of, a, of, of something nice, is worth more than the whole other world. So your parents... Um, and I'm talking about abusive parents. Good parents? Parents that, that are giving you everything, giving you their lives? Hakrasa Tov to them has to be beyond anything. How dare you not give them kavod? How dare you not say thank you? How dare you not offer to help your parents? Pay for things, do things. I'm talking about the most dysfunctional parents. So I told the girl, I said, you... you you're what, you, don't want to be, you want to be there, but the mission is telling us that one moment here, one moment here, one moment of Gimilas Chesed, doesn't one moment of, of, of having a good time or listening to music, one moment of doing a Chesed is greater than the whole next world. And one moment in the next world, says the next Mishnah, is more satis- satisfaction and enjoyment than this whole life in this world. So you imagine your parents gave you life. It's true, they, whatever, you're having a very hard time. But the bottom line is, the potential of life, you have to thank for. Even if you're in pain. Even if you're going through a hard time. But you could, there's still a second of the day that you could do something, and that's greater than anything else. And that is something we all need to work on in Elul. Because, myself included, everyone can up, up their kibbutz of him. And if you don't have parents, they're not alive anymore, whatever it is, you're older, and you don't have parents, you can give tzedakah in their name. You can do a lot of things, a lot of mitzvahs, and say, Le'ili nishmas, my parents. That's the biggest kibbutz of him, because they can't do anything for themselves. In the world, when they're alive, they can still do things. When they're not alive, they can't do anything. So you say Tehillim for them, or you give tzedakah for them, or you light a candle for them, on a matzah whatever it is, is, is amazing. It's amazing to of in. That's something that we have to work on. We have to work on in Elul. It's very, very important to work on our Kibbutz of Aim. And definitely, if there's someone that you hurt, you can do all the tshuva, you can stand on your head. Hashem can't forgive you. It's, it's the only thing Hashem can't forgive. It's very scary. There is something that the God of the world can't pardon. There's something, everyone says like, there's nothing that God can't do. Yeah, there is something God can't do. God can't forgive you if you hurt someone else because that other person has to forgive you. So it's something that we have to think about in Elul and to make sure a teacher, a friend, someone you hurt, and make sure to go out there, find her. I dive into Hashem. When I first started teaching, I didn't know how to treat kids. I was 20 years old and I, I, I was very young and, and, and it was very strict and very tough and I used to read their marks when they got their tests. So I would say, okay, Chaim, 70, 40, I just would give out the test, I would say the marks. I doubt to Hashem that I should meet those kids, I can ask them Mechilah. I'm, I'm teaching 40 years. And some of them I've met, and I've asked them Mechilah. Rebbe, you don't have to ask me. Like, I have to ask Mechilah, I embarrassed you. No, I wasn't embarrassed. Yeah, I, I read your mark on in class. No right to read your, right, right, you know, to do that. So you have to dive into Hashem that the people that you hurt when you were younger somehow should come back into your life 
so that you could get forgiveness. Because God cannot forgive you. And that's why which is relationships with other people, a man to his friend, let's say he's not your friend, he's just a broken person, he's not your friend, that's El. you got to have both. I actually think Ben Elam Chaber is more important. Because Ben Elam Hashem can forgive you. Ben Elam Chaber, he cannot forgive you. Cannot forgive you. All right. So that's a, a very important point that we need to that we need to work on. And this is what he says. He says, You have to work very hard on these three things in this in this month. Now, talking about Hashem pardoning, amazing, amazing story. People can do tshuva. Hashem gave us this matana that you can go back in time and you can change things. It's amazing. It's amazing. If you don't use it, it means you don't care. Kana alama b'sha'achas. It's a gemara. You could you could you could get ganeiden. You could be bad your whole life. Don't be bad your whole life and think you're gonna at the last second do tshuva because they won't let you do it. But you could be bad your whole life and in one second you could be kind of ganeiden. So he says a famous story in the Gemara. Bacha Rebbe, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi Rebbe was crying. There's, there's, there's a person that I worked my whole life, said Rebbe, to go to Ganeiden. And this guy, in one second, he did bad stuff his whole life. And in one second, Hashem took him into Ganeiden. Asked the Gemara, Klapi me, Omar Rebbe, that was there. What's the story here? Who's he talking about? Who sinned his whole life and in one second got to Ganeiden? His name, very famous, I'm sure you may have heard some shirim about him, was Rabbi Elaza ben Durdaya. Shahi Elaza ben Durdaya shutuf b'chet shanam harbei. Elaza ben Durdaya was with many Zionists in his life. His avera was women, all the time. Pamachas, one time. While he was with the Zaina, the woman that he was with said to him, Elaza ben Durdaya, you are such a low life, you are such a bad guy, that you, God, will never accept Chuba from you. The Zaina told him this. She's giving him Musar while they're doing the Avera. You? You are so bad? God will never forgive you. Now, Getting Muslim from someone like that, that rocked his, that rocked his head. Halach, the Yashiv, ben He went, he ran out, and he sat between two mountains. He could not believe that he was so bad, he thought it was true that what she's saying, he could not believe that I am so bad that Hashem can't forgive me. So he went between the two mountains. Bikshu Rachamim. He said to the two mountains, listen, Hashem's not going to listen to me. I'm a, I'm a low life. But mountains, you, the angels of the mountains, you daven to Hashem for me. I'm low. The mountain said to him, we're not, we're not, we're not going to daven for you. We're praying to God about ourselves. As it says in Yeshayi, So they said, have a nice day. We're not doing this for you. Okay? Amru, Omar, he said, Elizabeth Dodaya said, Shemayim Ba'aretz, Shemayim Ba'aretz, Bikshu Alei Rachamim, please daven to Hashem for me. Amru lo, Achanu Vavakshim Olecha, and Vavakshim Olecha, we're not going to daven for you, we got to daven for us, ki Shemayim Ka'oshin Nimlochu Ba'aretz Ka'begetivu, in Yeshaya. So he's really running out of options. Omar, he said, Chama Uluvana, the sun and the moon, Please ask for me, Rachamim. No, we have to daven for ourselves. We're not davening for you. So he had one place left to go. To the horoscope, to the to the to the stars. No, we have to daven for ourselves. When a muckle cuts off, Shemayim and says in Yeshaya. 
This is probably one of the most important lines that I will ever say in my life, and that I've ever said, and I've said a lot of shiurim. But this is something that's a very big problem in this generation, and this is an amazing Gemara. Omar, he finally came to realization. Stop having other things own your stuff. The Shemayim don't have to pray for you, and the Kochavim don't have to pray for you, and the mountains don't have to pray for you. You gotta pray for you. Own your stuff. This is a generation where no one owns your stuff. My mother, my father, my Rebbe, my friend, my this, my that, the world. It's everyone else's fault. I'm, I'm not gonna blame the psychology world, but the psychology world is always pointing fingers at everyone around you but yourself. You gotta own yourself. You gotta own your stuff. Yes, it, it, it could be because of your parents or whatever it is, but at the end of the day, it's not why you broke your arm. I say this to everyone all the time. If someone comes, comes to a doctor and they have a broken arm, it doesn't matter to the doctor if you fell off a bike, got hit by a car. When he takes the x-ray, he sees the break and he knows what he has to do. He has to set it and he has to fix it or if he has to put pins in it or a cast. It doesn't matter how it happened. You've got to fix the broken bone. Everyone's busy with how it happened. Bottom line is, he was a lowlife, and a woman told him, you'll never be forgiven, and he's trying to push it off on everybody. Sun, pray for me. Moon, pray for me. Stars, pray for me. Earth, pray for me. Water, pray for me. No. You got to pray for you. Not Rabbi Wallstein should pray for you. Not the Chacham you're going to should give you a bracha. Yes, that's all good. It's all extra, but you have to take care of stuff. So he said, No one's going to do anything for me. i got to do it myself. And that's when people change. You realize, no one's going to do it for you. you got to do it. you got to get up. you got to get up and run. No one can run for you. I wish someone could run on the treadmill for me. It would be great. I would hire someone to run on the treadmill. But I'm not going to lose any weight or get healthy because someone's running on the treadmill. No, Wallstein, you got to get on a treadmill. No one can do it for you. So, he put his head between his legs, and he, and he let out such a cry. He was so sorry what he did until he died. He cried so much that he died. A voice came out of Shemayim and said, Rabbi Elazar ben Dardaya. He wasn't a rabbi. He wasn't. A, he wasn't a rabbi. Rabbi Elazar ben Dardaya was zuman l'chayelam haba. Everyone should know that Rabbi Elazar ben Azaya, Rabbi Elazar ben Azaya, went to Gan Eden. Oh my Rabbi. Rabbi said, It's not enough that this guy who sinned his whole life for one second." That he cried in the tshuva, he's going to Ganeiden. Elishikari might say, Rebbe? He went from Elazabender Daya to Rebbe Elazabender Daya? So we asked, why did it bother, why did it bother Rebbe? Why he bother? The guy did tshuva, they took him to Ganeiden, they called him Rebbe, what's your problem? Why did Rebbe cry about this guy? He saw that in one second, Yachal Adam a person could get Ganadin. Masha Tadikim Koinim Bishanam Habi that takes Tadikim many, many years. Harisha Tadikim we all Bukakhambishnaim. The Tadikim are not changing their lives. The Tadikim. This guy, right? Lama Nikra Rabbi Elazabender Daya, Lupishimana Lamdu, because we learn from him. What one second can do. He became our Rebbe. Because from the story, we learn an amazing lesson. Another another story. I don't know if you've ever heard this story before. So it says, What does this mean? It was someone, his name was Yosef Meshisa. When the Greeks wanted to go into the base of Medesh, Amru, they said, before we go into the base of Megdash, let's see if you go in, you die. Maybe you die. Let's send a Jew in. So they had to have find a Jew that was an anti-from, 
and that was willing to go into the base of Mikdash. He was like really bad. So Amulai, this Yosef Meshisa said, he Hikarnais, I'll go in. And they said, okay, we, we'll reward you if you go in that whatever you come out with belongs to you. This low life went into the base of Migdash, not a Kayan, and took out the Menorah for himself. Amulal, they said to him, Ain't Dako shall head your Lishnamish No, you're not getting the you're not getting the menorah. That we're not giving you. It's not for you. You're you take something out, take a bar of gold, take something else. But you're a regular person. You're not that you're not you're not getting the menorah. Hikhnashainis, go in again. Whatever you take out, we'll let you keep. Sarav, he said, No, I'm not going in again. Nothing like Pitumi Mechashlaishanam. He said, they said, if you go in, we'll give you what you come out with, and you don't have to pay taxes for three years. Amra, he said, this Russia said, It's not bad enough I got God angry once. You want to, you want to go in again? I'm not going in again. And they killed him in a very, very terrible way. And as they killed him, he said, That I... Got God angry. So this guy was a Russia, and he went into the base on Megdash, but he wouldn't go in a second time, and he died. There's a very famous story um, in, in, in Auschwitz, a very, very famous story in, in the Holocaust about this Jew that lived in a town, and he was like the only not Shemr Shabbos person in the town, and he used to keep his business open on Shabbos. The whole, the whole town was closed for Shabbos. This one Jew was anti-everything, and he was the only one that was, that ate chazer, and was open on Shabbos. Ate chazer in front of everyone. Mamish, nobody got along with this guy. But Hitler, Yomach Shemot, didn't care if you're Hasidish, or or you eat chazer, or you don't keep Shabbos, or you wear tzitzes, you don't wear tzitzes, he doesn't care. If you're a Jew, your mother's a Jew, you're, you're, you're in Auschwitz. You're gonna... So, but the, the Nazis and the Kapos, they knew that this guy wasn't from, that he was that he was a pig eater in a Mechal Shabbos. One day, at the, every morning they had this gathering where they put, every, I forgot what it's called in German, they had this whole gathering where they put everyone out, and the Nazi called this guy into the middle of the ring where everybody was standing. And they were all starving. They had, they had dry bread and some water, and he had a whole pig cooked. A whole, you can imagine how hungry they were. A whole pig on a big dish with a table and a fork and a knife and wine and bread and a whole meal. And he said to this guy, Sit down, enjoy it. He ate Chazar his whole life. His whole life he ate Chazar. He said no. The Nazi said, what do you mean no? You did this your whole life. We know about you. What do you mean no? He said, no. I'm not doing this. In front of all, I'm not doing, I'm not doing this. The Nazi put a gun to his head. He said, you're doing it. And you're going to eat this Chazar. And all the people from the town were there. And they're like, why isn't he eating the chazer? We ate the chazer when nobody forced him. And he put the gun to his head. And he said, if you don't eat the chazer, we're going to blow your head off. And he said, blow my head off. And they shot him in front of everyone. And they killed him in front of everyone. He died with Kiddush Hashem. Same like this guy. Went straight to Ganeidim. His whole life he's eating the chazer. But he's not making a chil Hashem. You're putting a gun to my head? You're, you're challenging who I am? A Jew is a Jew. It's a famous story. Well, the people all saw it. They shot him in front of the thing. And he ain't chazer. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't make the chal Hashem. So it's the same, type of, the same type of story. Okay, one more story. And then we'll close with a story that I haven't said for a long time. So the story is with Rav Sajigayin. I'm sure some of you have heard in, 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 about Rav Sajigayin. That the thing, the thing, we don't do it. Some people do it, but we don't, we're not on the level to do it. That I'm not here to scare you, and, and I'm not a Gehenna talker. I don't. I'm, we don't. We, our relationship with Hashem is not based on that He'll put us in a barbecue if we're not good. That's not. That's not what it's based on. But there's a tshuva. It's called nizgalgel b'sheleg. You get totally undressed, and you roll down a hill in pure ice, in pure snow. Sick, sick, painful. So there were men. There were men that 
that did Averis, and they wanted to do tshuva, and it's called Mizgalga Bushelag. And they would go to the top of a mountain, and no clothing on, and roll in the snow. It's, it's not normal. It's, it's very painful. But that's Machaper on certain Averis. So that a Talmud came to visit Rav Sajagoyen at night. And Rav Sajagoyen is rolling in the snow. The, the, the student stood, he was shaking, he was shocked. You, you have to go through this pain? You did such an Aveira? Did you have to go through this pain? He said, I'll tell you why. I never did an Aveira like this, that I should have to roll in the snow. And don't do this, please. It's not, it's not for women to do, and it's not for us to do. This was for Tzadikim. Oh, Rabbi Wallace, said you should roll in the snow. I'm going to go roll in the snow. This is for Tzadikim on a very, very high level. You know what? First, Dalvin Mincha and Shachmas. Take the hill and beat Sneers before you roll in the snow. What? Sefer Teidah. Sefer Teidah. Yeah, yes. Everyone, yeah. So, so, so he's rolling, yeah, don't like, don't do this at home, right? All right, well, said you should roll in the snow. No, you don't have to roll in the snow. Nobody has to roll in the snow. I never rolled in the snow, okay? So don't roll in the snow. I won't even roll down my window in the snow. Forget about rolling down the hill in the snow. All right, so anyway, why'd he do this? He's a big tzaddik. This is for a really bad Averis. Why'd he do this? He said, I'll tell you why. He said, one day, I went, to a, to a different village, and I was a guest at a house. And the owner of the house, he did not know it was me. He didn't know it was Rav Sajigayin. So he didn't know that I learned Tyra. He didn't know who I was. He knew nothing about me. And he treated me like a regular person. But then the next morning, the people in the city heard that I was there, and they all came to give me COVID, Rav Sajigayin. And when the, when the Balabayas saw this, he said, oh boy, I really messed up, right? You know the story of the Chavetz Chaim? There was a man that was walking in, in, uh, in by the Chavetz Chaim, and he, he, did, he saw this short man, he didn't know, a little rabbi. He said, do you know where the biggest tzaddik, the Gol Hadar, it was in Raden, the biggest tzaddik, the Gol Hadar, do you know what house the Chavetz Chaim lives in? Chavetz Chaim, it's a famous story. Chavetz Chaim looked up at him and said, Chavetz Chaim? <laughs> He's a nobody. And the man slapped him. Slapped Chavetz Chaim in the face, and they went each other's ways. And in the afternoon, the man finally got in to see the Chavetz Chaim, and he walks into the room, and it's the man he slapped in the morning, and he fainted straight out. He slapped Chavetz Chaim in the face. They woke him up. He was like, Chavetz Chaim said to him, "Thank you, thank you." He said, "I was I was never sure the halacha." If a person's allowed to talk Lashon Hara on themselves, you're allowed to say, like, I'm a nobody. He said, I saw from Shemayim today, I got a smack. I talked Lashon Hara on myself, and the Chavetz Chaim, I said, I'm a nobody. I got a smack right away. It's mashma, I'm going to pass on the halacha that you can't talk bad about yourself, it's also Lashon Hara. So thank you for the slap, because the slap came from Shemayim, nothing comes from you. It's a famous story. Can you imagine that guy, that poor hand, his, I mean, he probably put his hand in the snow for, like, the rest of his life. Right, he slapped a couple of times. You can't right. So here, this man treated Rav Sanjigoyen like any person, like any other person. So he felt very bad. So when I was leaving, Rav Sanjigoyen said, "His snapaluragli." The man held on to my legs. He bent down and held on to my legs. Bacha. He started to cry and he said, they please be me on your honor." I didn't know who you were. You did everything you could. You served me the way you could. And, and, and you, did, you gave me everything I needed. You don't need anything. He said, and no matter how much I try to make this person feel good, he just continued crying and at Mechila, 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 to the edge of the town, Mechila. I didn't treat you like Rav Sajigon. You were tzaddik and I treated you like any other person. Says Rav Sajigon. In Bekovet Basavadamkach, if a human being felt this way, 
he fell to my feet and he cried and he asked me forgiveness that he didn't give me the correct respect. What should I do that I don't give Hashem the right respect? Kolsha came in the greatness of God. Every day I see more about what he does for me. How could I not cry and beg and roll in the snow? that Hashem should be me on the way that I'm treating him, not treating him like a god, but just treating him like anyone else. So he says, it's not that I didn't have Veira, it's that I realized that I don't treat Hashem the way I should be treating Hashem. Surely if a person feels that way about another person, surely a person should feel like that about Hashem. This is Elul. This is a relationship. This is understanding what Kosh Baruch Hu does for us. Okay. So my story. I didn't bring my, uh, my prop tonight. But you can go out tomorrow and buy this prop, all of you. I don't know, Ruth, if I said it when you were here, you'll tell me if you ever heard the black and white story. You remember that story? Okay. Amazing story. Amazing story. So, and then I'll tell you how I know the story. So there was this young kid, not from, lived in Jersey. But he went to Tomatora. In those days, we had Tomatora Sunday school and then... At night, after public school, I don't know if they still have Talmud Torah, not many, anyway, they had Talmud Torah, and he, and he had this rabbi, he wasn't religious, but he had this rabbi that he had very, very, very close to. And he was into Rosh Hashanah. He was into Rosh Hashanah, he liked Rosh Hashanah. So, he would come, Rosh Hashanah day, so between Shachris, I don't know how many of you have this in Shul, but after Shachris, they go make Kiddush, then they come back for Shofar, for Musaf. So this rabbi would had people come to his house, and then they would go to Shul to hear Shofar. And he would have this boy come to his house, he'd make Kiddush, and then he would take this boy to Shul to hear Shofar. And then the, the, the kid didn't keep anything else, but he would come to hear Shofar. One year, this boy comes on his bicycle, he's not Shemr, Shemr Shavos, and he comes to the rabbi, Rosh Hashanah night, knocks on the door, rabbi comes to the door, what are you doing at Rosh Hashanah night? There's no Shofar. He says, no, I came to tell you that tomorrow is the biggest playoff basketball game. He, this guy was a superstar ball player. So it's the biggest playoff basketball game and they have scouts coming from the NBA, from colleges to, to pick, you know, a good ball player and I am the man. So, because the game's tomorrow at the same time as prayers, I'm not going to be here. I just want to let you know I'm not coming tomorrow and uh, whatever, I'm going to miss this, you know, the ball. Next year, I'll come next year. Don't worry about it. Okay? What's the rabbi going to do? It's, he wasn't going to the guy's a scout, college, ball player. He's not going to, you know, what's he going to do? He tried to talk him into coming the next day. He, I can't miss this game. I know already who's coming, Georgia Tech and, 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 and Notre Dame and all the big colleges. And this is my chance to get into a good college for free and then become an NBA basketball player. Okay. I said, what can I do? Fine. I'll tell you the story short because it's, it's an hour story. I'll tell it to you in five minutes. I'll cut out all the details. So, okay. He gets on his bicycle the next day, and he's going to the gym, he's going to the public school to go to the game. He's driving, he's going across the road, all of a sudden the car screeches, the tires are screeching, and he feels a bump on the bicycle, and he's laying on the floor. And people jump out of the cars, and people are jumping all out of the cars, and like, oh my God, he got really hit very hard, and he's not in a good place. And people at Marsh, they can't even look at him. They're like, they can't look at him, they called 911, Ambulances are coming and everything else, and he's like, the, co- the, co- the competition, the other team probably hit me on purpose, so I can't play. It's a setup. The whole thing's a setup. I, w- I want to get up and play, but he, his legs are not working, his arms are not working, he's not, he's not getting up. I'll try not to be too graphic. So they come, the guy, the, the EMS guy says, oh my gosh, he's, he's gone, We're, you know, but we have to try to save him. So they, he says, what do you mean I'm gone? I'm not gone, I'm here. I'm not gone. I can talk, I can't walk, but I'm gone, I'm not gone. And he's talking, but they're not hearing. He doesn't chop yet what happened. And they put him in the ambulance, and they're going to the hospital, and they're working on him, they're pumping him, and they're doing, and they're shocking him, and they're, they're doing everything they can. And he's like, he's like, come on guys, talk to me, talk to me. How bad is it? What do I look like? I got to get up, help me up. I want to see what I look like. Nobody's answering him, everyone's ignoring him. All right, they get him into the hospital, get him into the operating room, doctor's there, doctor says, we lost him, he's, he's not alive anymore. 
and they cover him. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm talking. I hear every word that they're saying in the room. I'm not dead. What's it? Oh, they, they, maybe they set up a whole hospital, the opposing team. This is a bluff. This is like a thing they do on TV, you know, emergency room. I'm talking. Nobody hears me. Then his mother and father walk into the room. They pull the sheet up. They start screaming and crying. Michael, 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 Michael. He's like, Ma, Dad, you can't be in on this. Why don't you talk to me? Nothing. Okay, I'm really, you have to be a little graphic because that's the only way the story comes over. But anyway, they take him downstairs to the morgue and they put him in the fridge and he's still talking and nobody's listening and it's getting pretty cold. And then all of a sudden, everything goes dark. And like a second later, he's in a room. Now I'm going to tell you that Michael told me the story. So I know the story from the guy that it happened to. Okay? So they put him into the morgue and it gets dark. All of a sudden he's in a room. And there are three rabbis sitting at a table. He can only see their beards. A lot longer than mine. Long beards. Talasim over their heads. And there's like fiery eyes. And they're like, Michael! Do you know where you are? He goes, no. He says, Michael, you're in heaven. What do you mean I'm in heaven? He says, you died. You got hit by a car and you died. And you're in heaven. And now it's time for judgment. Okay, well, how does that work? He says, well, we have a huge scale, two sides. First goes the good stuff you've done on the scale. Then goes the bad stuff you've done on the scale. Scale tips to the good, heaven. Still tips to the bad, hell. He said, but, but, but I didn't really keep much. I wasn't religious. We know, we know everything. You didn't know a lot of things, so it, it works for both sides. All right! And this is brought down in Kabbalah. Every mitzvah, that Kabbalah, it's a mission pick of Elvis, what am I saying? Every angel you create, every time you do a mitzvah, you create an angel. Every time you do an avera, you create an angel. The angels that you create for mitzvahs are your defending angels. The angels that you create from averas are your prosecuting angels. Now, angels come in many different sizes. Let's say you did a big avera, right? But you, you weren't really into it. You weren't thinking about it. So you get an angel without a head. Mitzvah, same thing with tefillah. You did a mitzvah, but you weren't thinking about the mitzvah. You had no, no, no kavanah. You get an angel without a head. You didn't really work with your hands to do the mitzvah. You have an angel without hands. You didn't run to do the mitzvah. You have an angel without feet. You create an angel, but some of them are very weird looking. Some of them are samurais, and some of them are skinny little guys. Every mitzvah is different depending on how you do it and what you thought. All right. Michael, Michael, all your mitzvahs come out. Big ones, little ones, tall ones, short ones. They all get on the scale. Scale has a lot of angels. He's a very nice boy, this boy. He didn't keep mitzvahs, but he's a nice boy. Help people. Good guy. Okay? Any other angels? Yes. By Jews, Machshavah Kemaisa. So even though he was from an irreligious family, there were many times he wanted to go to his Rebbe for Shabbos, you get credit. Somebody's collecting tzedakah, you come downstairs and they're gone, you get credit. You want to help someone and they leave, you get credit. By us, a machshav is kamaisa. When you want to do a mitzvah, it's like you did the mitzvah. So now, all the machshavs, and he, ha- he wanted to be from, he wanted to do the right thing. All the machshavs came out to the scale. He had a huge, huge amount of good on the scale. All right. In walks this ugly, monstrous angel. Hi, Michael. I'm the angel of death. I am the devil. I am the Satan. I am going to take you and put you in the deepest part of Gehenna and you will burn forever because you are mine. He's like, "Uh, I hope not. And the angel, his defending angel says, let's see what happens. Don't let him make you crazy. Bad enough he does it when you're alive. All right. All the bad stuff he's ever done, all the things he shouldn't have looked on the internet, 
All the other stuff he did, get on the scale. And you know, sometimes we do an Avera, a sin with much more strength and kavana than a mitzvah. So he's got some big, heavy, fat angels that were whole. They weren't missing a head, they weren't missing an arm, and they weren't missing a leg, and they all get on the scale. And the scale is even. And they never had this in Shemayim. Perfectly. Per, that's all on there. Everything's on there. They, this, at the end of the whole cheshbin, right, all the pain and tra- right, trauma, it's all on there, and it's exactly even, and they never had this situation. So the Bezin's like, even? Like, that even? And the angel that runs the court case says, there's another angel coming down the hall. Really? And the angel of death says, Black angel! It's a sinner. We win. Gehenim. And the other angel says, How do you know? Maybe it's a white angel. And we win. So he's standing, like on a chair, looking down at the tunnel where the angels come in, and screaming, White angel! White angel! And the Sutton's standing and saying, Black angel! Black angel! Yeah, it's happening. And the angel walks into the room. You never heard this story. And the angel... Okay, it's Yom HaDin. It's Yom it's, it's, it's what happened. Hello, every... every, every, every young, But this is what happens every Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Exactly this. Exactly this. You say in the Sanat there's a scale, and they get the good and the bad, and, and the ugly. And the angel walks into the room. And it's black and white. Half and half. And the Sultan says, Who are you? What are you? This is, we don't have this. Here comes the hard part of the whole story. And the angel looks at Michael and says, I am the angel of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. No! I didn't go to my Rebbe's house. I went to the game. I missed shofar. And the angel starts to turn black. And he feels a hand, a claw, a hand on his shoulder. Yes, you're mine. And he wakes up. And he's sitting by his Rebbe's table. The night of Rosh Hashanah. When he went to visit his Rebbe, he was very tired from practicing for the game the next day. And his Rebbe went to make Kiddush and he went to the kitchen and he dozed off. And this was his dream. And he wakes up and he says, his Rebbe says, what are you screaming? What are you screaming? No, what, what's going on? You, you, he goes, Rebbe, tomorrow I'm coming to your house. I changed my mind. <laughs> so Why would you change your mind? He tells the Rebbe this story. That he saw his din in Shemaiah. How do I know this story? Because in camp, when I was a young boy, not so young, just a teenager, 14, I had a learning Rebbe, a counselor, who was a superstar ball player. And he told us this story because we were not learning in camp. We were busy with magnifying glasses, killing the ants on the table. We were busy with what boys are busy with. And he said, guys, guys, listen to me. I was a ball player. He was a ball player in camp. Also, he was very good. He said, I was a ball player, and my whole life changed when I realized that one word of Torah, one mitzvah, can tip that scale. Who's the angel walking down the hall in your life? Is he white or is he black? Sometimes that's the difference between life and death. So from now until Rosh Hashanah, create white angels as many as you can, so that you don't have to go through this situation. And a good Gebenshjah. Thank you, everyone.
See, it was worth coming tonight for that story. That's for sure. So let me tell you, let me just tell you. Girls, let me tell you. Oh, is the camera still on? Camera still on? Let me tell everyone that it is the Minig in the Wallerstein family. The Minig in my family that at the table, Rosh Hashanah night, both nights, we serve black and whites. So, yeah, it's with the apple and the honey, we serve black and whites. But I have to tell you what happened. After the second year that I told over this story, a girl said to me, Rabbi, it's very bad to put that on your table because it's black and white. Buy pink and whites. So there's no black, there's no Averis. So we don't serve black and whites anymore, we serve pink and whites. So bring it home and then tell the story at the table why you, why you brought home pink and whites to everyone. Also, one more thing, one more thing. It's a German minig, it's a Yekesha minig that we have. Um, that we put a letter, each child puts a letter, writes a letter to our parents, thanking them for the year and how much we love them. And we put that under their, their plate, Rosh Hashanah at night, the first night. I haven't said this in many, many years because I just forget to say it. I want to tell you that I said it by an Avino Malkano event. There were 2,600 women. And it was already late because the Avino Malkano was between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I said, you know, do it for the, for the, for Yom Kippur, give it to them. But the German minig is that, yeah, that, that, and husbands and wives to put under your wife to show her karasatov. Because if you start your Rosh Hashanah with a letter to your parents or a letter to a husband or a wife, to a brother, to a sister, whoever, whoever the letter is, and, and can imagine a parent that has five kids and they have five letters from five different kids and a letter from her husband and a letter from his wife plus his five kids. It's a game changer, and it, 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 it gives a reason, Hashem, to give that family another year of life. So whoever's watching, whoever's listening, would be a really good idea that, that to do this meeting and to write a very beautiful letter and to put it under your parents' plate, under your wife's plate, under your husband's plate, and that we'll all have a Shana Tova Musuka. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.